0: You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. As you're being seated, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. This morning we're going to blend a little bit about what we've been doing in the Gospel of John with where we're at in our earthly calendar of the new year and just the opportunity that that affords to uh, make plans for the coming year. Um, I enjoy this time of year just because it it affords the opportunity, um, typically because we're out of work for a little bit of time due to the holidays and With the new year upon us, there's a lot of talk and discussion about uh, what took place in the previous year and and what plans and hopes you have for the coming year. And so um, it's a great opportunity to kind of self-assess where you're at in life and maybe where you're wanting to go um, in the coming year. Another great way to challenge yourself in this area is to sit down and watch some home videos, which I did last night as well, and that'll always get you thinking about, uh, where you 're at and where you 're going um, it was crazy we were watching uh, we probably ended up watching home videos for like an hour last night at my mom 's house. Um, these were all from the late eighties and it was uh, it was crazy to think about the fact that i 'm older now than my dad was in the home videos that we were watching and it was just kind of eye opening to think about um, It was crazy because andrea and her family are on the home videos too when they came to visit us at spring break in Panama City. And we were talking about how, oh, it's kind of like how some of the the people in our church interact with our kids. And we were talking about like grown-up Maggie. and um, But it was crazy too to think about the people that we were talking about in our church were actually more the age of our parents in the video and that, that Andrew, I think, was the age of Juju um, in the home videos. But um, just kind of crazy for me to think as I'm watching and, and seeing my dad and our family and, and who my dad was at the time and kind of where we went as a family. Um, it was a good time for me to just kind of pause and think and say, okay, where, where are we at as a family at my house? And, and where are we going as a family? And where do I want to see our family go? And, you know, what do I want my kids to look back on and, and see at this time of, of their life and, and and who we were and where we went from here? And so, um, I love this time of year because it gives us that chance to to pause and to reflect and, and to see kind of who we are uh, from this past year and and maybe where we 're going in the in the year to come and so we 're going to look at the, the the topic of of resolutions as you 'll continue to probably see podcasts and articles and blogs posted over the coming days that will challenge you uh, specifically in the area of bible reading plans. This is a time of year where people start to make commitments about. Uh, time in the Word and what that's going to look like. And um, so just a lot of different opportunities in the next few days to to think and ponder. And like I said, I want us to have some extended application time at the end of today's sermon for you to have just some opportunities to think and reflect and ponder as well. So we're going to jump right in um, this morning. Uh, first, by looking at some things that we've talked about in the past couple of weeks, we talked from John chapter 14, um, the idea of the troubled heart and the fearful heart. And we talked about maturing faith and maturing love being the the two things that help counteract that, that our anxiousness uh, is counteracted by the fact that uh, we need to grow in our faith and trust in God um, and that we can attack our anxieties, we can attack our our worries and our troubles with Scripture because Scripture speaks to those things that trouble us most. And then we talked about the cure for the fearful heart uh, comes from a maturing love, a maturing love for god that that then leads to obedience to his commands, which specifically we see most oftentimes being reflected in how we treat each other, that we love God by loving others around us right um, and in second Thessalonians chapter one, we see the believers in this passage described as people who are maturing in their faith and maturing in their love. It says in second Thessalonians chapter one verse three. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. So you see these people being described as the type of people that we want to be based on what we're seeing in the Gospel of John, right? That we are going to go through difficult times that are going to potentially cause the opportunity for us to be anxious or to be troubled. And these individuals in Thessalonica are enduring that type of setting. But Paul talks about the fact that because their faith is increasing, because it's growing abundantly, and because their love for each other is increasing, they are weathering the storm. Their maturing faith and their maturing love is sustaining them through uh, these times. And so they're able to give thanks to God for these brothers who are who are um, enduring these afflictions. All right. Um, last week we saw from the Gospel of John in chapter 15 what it looks like for us to abide in Christ and therefore be fruitful as Christians. We said that true Christians abide in Christ by knowing and responding to his word, which allows them to produce increasing fruit and experience lasting joy. So we talked last week about what it meant to abide in Christ. We said that it means that we're united to him in such a way that all of our life is now drawn from following him through his word and living out obedience to him by the ways we interact with others in this world. That, that to abide in him, to be connected to him in such a way that our whole life is really defined by what he says in his word and it's shaping the way that we're interacting with each other around us. We talked about the different fruits that we're to produce. We talked about Galatians 5 and the character change that we're to see uh, when the Holy Spirit's working through us, that the fruits of the Spirit... Are what become uh, what we become known for. We talked about rejoicing uh, and praising God while serving others. Hebrews thirteen fifteen. The idea that we praise God for the things that we have, and we turn around and we give to those around us as a way to serve. And then we talked about from Proverbs ten twenty one uh, the idea that our words uh, become the type of words that feed other people around us. That we are known as people who speak into the lives of others and encourage them lift them up, challenge them, Word that, words that feed others, Proverbs ten twenty one. 21. Uh, then we talked about some truths from John chapter 15. Uh, if you're not producing spiritual fruit, you're most likely not in Christ. That if you are in Christ, you're producing fruit, but you're most likely going to be pruned as well uh, so that you can produce more fruit. Bobby did a great job of sharing um, on the realm just the idea of, of why God prunes or why even a gardener would prune plant so that it produces the opportunity for more fruit to be grown. And so um, if you're in Christ, you ought to be producing fruit, and we can expect that God's going to prune us. He's going to potentially remove things from our life uh, that will allow more fruit to be grown in its place. Um, We talked about not producing fruit to be saved. Instead, our fruit proves us to be saved. We talked about producing lasting, eternally valuable fruit um, that comes from abiding in Christ. We talked about abiding in Christ involves us drawing life from his word, responding and loving obedience to his word, that if we're truly abiding in Christ, we'll see prayers answered, that we'll experience unwavering joy, that we'll see increasing and lasting fruit. Um, and then we said specifically, the command that we're to obey, the fruit that we're to produce from that passage is sacrificial love for each other. And so I challenged you at the end of last week's sermon, how do I know if I'm abiding in Christ? How do I know if I'm If I'm truly a believer, we left you with some questions to ponder. Do you see fruit in your life? Do you see change in who you are and how you interact with the world around you? Do you encounter pruning? Do you experience trials and challenges and difficulties that ultimately lead to more fruit coming out in your life? Do you witness answered prayers? Do you make requests in alliance with God's will and see him answer those requests? Uh, Do you have a desire to serve others? Do you have a growing love for the local body? And do you experience joy? Do you, do you see peace and hope in the midst of your difficult circumstances? All right, so that brings us to what I want to share from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 today. It's a passage that we've looked at several times in the past when we come to the idea of making New Year's resolutions. And we, and we come to this passage because of what's said in verse 11 and verse 12. It says, To this end... We always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good. That idea of resolve for good is that idea of making resolutions. That 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 it, Paul says I'm praying that to this end God would fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Why verse 12 so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's this idea here that Paul says he's praying for this group of people, that God would make them worthy of his calling and fulfill every resolve for good in their life so that ultimately Christ can be glorified through them. Our summary sentence for today as we think in terms of resolutions and resolve for good, I want us to think in terms of that fruit that we're called to produce from John chapter 15. In order to produce lasting fruit in 2020, which is crazy to say that that's the year we're, we're heading into, we must resolve to do good by making intentional plans to grow in our faith in God and in our love towards each other. So going back to what we've said This idea of maturing faith and maturing love. We want to grow in both areas in this coming year. Uh, We want to make intentional plans to grow in both areas this year so that we can produce lasting fruit in this next 365-day calendar. For our kids this year, we should have a goal of trusting God and loving others more. So in order to produce lasting fruit in 2020, we must resolve to do good by making intentional plans to grow in our faith in God and in our love towards each other. Maybe an important quote to to think about during this time is that people do not drift towards holiness. People do not drift towards holiness. New Year's provides an opportunity for us to consider our ways and to make changes if needed, because we don't drift into holiness. We don't don't drift into sanctification. We don't drift into becoming more like Christ. There's some intentionality on our part that's needed to work out our salvation if we are going to become more like Christ. If we are going to pursue holiness, it takes intentional effort on our part to make plans to do so, because left in and of ourselves, we will develop habits that will, will keep us from moving in the direction of holiness. That idea of resolve that we see here in 2 in Thessalonians 1, it means to settle or find a solution to a problem, to decide firmly on a course of action, or to develop a strategy for something to happen. So resolving or making a resolution is to settle or find a solution to a problem, to decide firmly on a course of action, or to develop a strategy for something to happen. There's a couple other passages that we've referenced previously that, that talk about men who resolved or planned to live in a certain way for a particular reason. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, it talks about Daniel resolving to eat differently in order not to defile himself, right? That he had to make an intentional effort to do things differently than how the Babylonians were requiring the, 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 the kids of Israel to eat, right? So he, he resolved to not defile himself. He resolved to do things differently, and so he structured his diet in a different way. In Acts chapter 19, verse 21, he talks about Paul resolving to travel to specific areas for gospel purposes, that he made intentional plans to go to certain areas so that the gospel would go forth. So ultimately, resolutions help us plan how to work out our salvation for the upcoming year. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, we're commanded to do this. Therefore, my beloved brothers, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work, for his good pleasure, right? So there's this command given to us that we are to work out our own salvation. A lot of people will set New Year's resolutions uh, this coming week in, in regards to working out, right? To, to get more involved physically, to, to set new fitness goals, to change their dietary habits, to change their workout habits. Here, we're told to change or to challenge ourselves from the, fit, from the spiritual side of things when it comes to working out, to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And so resolutions give us a plan for how we plan to do that over the upcoming year by moving forward in our growth. In Philippians chapter 3, so one chapter over, in verses 12 through 14, it says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This idea of moving forward, growing in our sanctification, working out our salvation. I want to read for you an article that Tim Challies wrote. This was back in 2014. It's on the the topic of habits in our life. It says, "'Habits are tricky things. We are more than our habits, but certainly not less. We live so much of our lives according to our habits, but still remain responsible for what we do and what we do not do. Some habits emerge without any thought and through mindless, repetitive actions, while others are formed only through deliberate effort. As Christians, we work to build godly habits and put aside ungodly habits, but learn not to depend on habits for our salvation or lean too heavily upon them for sanctification.'" Habits are the subject of the best-selling The Power of Habit, Why We Do What We Do in Life and Business by Charles Duhigg. It is a fascinating book, and especially so when it focuses in on the habits that make our lives what they are. We are creatures of habit, and I have to assume that God designed us this way. He designed us so we form neurological pathways that condition us to do certain things in a kind of routine. When a habit emerges, the brain stops fully participating in decision-making. It stops working so hard or diverts focus to other tasks. So unless you deliberately fight a habit, unless you find new routines, the pattern will unfold automatically. Think about that, some of the habits that maybe you have in your life, things that you don't even have to think about that you just automatically do, some maybe on a daily basis, uh, because you've created that pattern in your life. I know for me, um, I've created a pattern of waking up early in the morning to where even when I'm on break, sometimes it's hard to break from that habit and actually sleep in because I've created this pattern in my life where this is the time that I get up. My body's conditioned to do that. I don't have to think about it. Here we see both the beauty and the horror of habits. The beauty of habits as they would exist in a perfect world and the horror of habits as they exist in a sin-stained world. Habits allow behavior to unfold automatically automatically and without thinking, so that once we set them in motion, they unfold along established pathways. The problem is that your brain can't tell the difference between bad and good habits, and so if you have a bad one, it's always lurking there, waiting for the right cues and rewards. Both virtue and vice can be packaged within habits so that, to some degree, both positive and negative actions can be done on a near-subconscious level. This is why we teach ourselves to form habits like reading the Bible at the very beginning of the day or to have family worship immediately after dinner. Once the habit is established, we will obey its summons to do those things that are so important to our lives. And this is why we have such trouble battling those long-established habits of sin. Once the habit is established, we will battle to disobey its summons to do those things that are so destructive. It seems like it should be so easy to stop looking at pornography, to stop drinking to excess, or to stop gorging ourselves on food. But our habits drive and control us into old patterns. At heart, habits are quite simple. This is, how we, this is how new habits are created, by putting together a cue, a routine, and a reward, and then cultivating a craving that drives the loop. The craving is the key. The things we crave are the things that power our habits. If we are to form good habits, we need to crave the right things. And if we are to break bad habits, we need to learn to control the bad cravings. Duhigg says, cravings are what drive habits, and figuring out how to spark a craving makes creating a new habit easier. Duhigg looks at habits from a decidedly non-Christian and evolutionary perspective, but still offers a great deal of wisdom that will be of great interest to Christians. I was especially interested to see Duhigg enforce the importance of community in overcoming negative habits. The evidence is clear. If you want to change a habit, you must find alternative routines, and your odds of success go up dramatically when you commit to changing as part of a group. Belief is essential, and it grows out of a communal experience, even if that community is only as large as two people. This sounds completely consistent with a Christian ethic, which calls upon Christians to confess their sin to one another, to pray for one another, and to bear one another's burdens. This is never more important than when trying to overcome old and sinful patterns of behavior. When Paul told us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, I am sure he was referencing not only to thoughts, but also to habits, because habits, too, emerge from the mind. Duhigg shows us the power of habits, but also the importance of overcoming and replacing bad habits. After all, once you know a bad habit exists, you have the responsibility to change it. As Christians acknowledge the existence of God, we have a heightened responsibility to use the power of habit with the greatest care and the greatest wisdom. So what he's talking about there is just the idea that as we look at making New Year's resolutions, we look at our life to see what type of habits are in place, habits that need to be changed, Uh, new habits that need to be developed and and put into place to move us forward in our sanctification. All right, let's look at this passage, and I'm going to give you a couple of points uh, to remember um, and then give you some time to reflect upon maybe some growth opportunities for you in this coming year. Number one is that we need to make resolutions whether we are growing or struggling. What do I mean by that? that we don't need to dismiss the idea of making resolutions if we think we're doing okay right now in life. Because what we see in this passage in chapter 1 is that Paul describes these individuals who he will then pray specifically for God to accomplish every resolve for good in their life. He describes them as people who are already growing abundantly in their faith, who are already increasing greatly in their love for each other, and yet it's these people who Paul will go on to say, I'm praying specifically for you to this end that God will make you worthy of his calling, that he will fulfill every resolve for good. So you've got these people at Thessalonica who are already growing in both faith and love, but the goal is to continue increasing in both. All right, so what we're talking about today is applicable for everybody, no matter where you're at. We may have some people in here today who are, who are struggling in their faith, struggling in some of their spiritual disciplines, struggling in some of their habits, and, and need to make some wholesale changes in the direction their life is going. Others who are maybe already growing in their faith, growing in their love for each other, but can continue to increase in that. All right, so make resolutions whether you're growing or struggling. Number two, make resolutions with the end in mind. The part of the the passage that we haven't read is what's uh, sandwiched in between Paul's description that these people are growing, growing in their faith, growing in their love, and then his prayer that God will accomplish these things in their life. And it's in chapter 1, verse 5. So they're growing, they're enduring, and then it says in verse 5, "...this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering." to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed. Then, verse 11 says, To this end we always pray for you. So, think about how Paul has this end in mind for what he wants these people to be. They're already people who are growing in their faith, they are growing in their love, right? But then he says, I look to the future and I want you to be the type of people who are, who are persevering, who are consistent, who are faithful, who are believing on the day that Jesus comes back. Right? He says, you're, you're enduring these sufferings, you're enduring these trials, you're enduring these persecutions, things that we're going to see uh, in the coming weeks in John chapter 15 where it talks about the world hating us, right? He says, you're enduring those things right now and God is going to come and bring justice upon those people who are persecuting Christians. Right? So he gives this description of how God comes and brings justice, repays with affliction those who afflict you, grants relief to those of us who are believers. He's going to bring vengeance and judgment upon those who are described as people who um, uh, don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, Right, that he's coming back for people who are described as those uh, who are saints, uh, those who are believing the testimony. Right, So he has this end in mind uh, of what he wants these people to become. And it's that end in mind that shapes his prayers in the present. And he says, I'm praying for you that God will accomplish every resolve for good to make you these type of people, to make you these type of people. He describes what he wants the people to be known for in the end and then prays for them specifically to be faithful, persevering, and believing right? So, so one thing that I'm doing personally for me this year as I think about what I want 2020 to be for me from a personal standpoint. In the past, I've, I've set like individual goals that I want to see this done or I want to do this or I want to make this happen. What I'm doing this year is a little bit different in that in the past, you know, I've told you I, I think in terms of how I structure my week from a productivity standpoint by the roles that God has given me, that, that God's called me to be Um, a husband. He's called me to be a father. He's called me to be a principal. He's called me to be a pastor. He's called me to be certain things. Um, And so I've spent the last couple of days kind of reflecting upon what I want to be known as in those roles. What type of father do I want to be known as? What type of principal do I want to be known as? What type of pastor do I want to be known as? Um, And so I've I've been writing down some things that that I want to make sure that are true. Some things that maybe already are true, some things that I think need to be improved upon with the, with the goal of basically reflecting upon that each week in 2020 and structuring my week to make sure that I'm doing things that will contribute to be me being known in this way, right? So if I want to be known as a spiritual father, somebody who takes the lead in the home spiritually, Right? I hope all of our dads would say that's what we want to be known for, right? As, as spiritual dads, spiritual leaders in the home, what do I need to do, not just in the course of the entire year to be known that way, but what do I need to do this week? What, what does a spiritual father do this week, right? And so, so I, I'm trying to, to package my thought process for this year in what are some of the end goal things that I have in mind for me, within the roles that God has given to me? And, and how do I become known as those things? What type, of, what type of action steps do I take on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, to be known in some of these ways, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a shift in that I don't have five goals that I'm trying to accomplish this year in 2020. But what I do have is a specific, uh, a specific reputation that I'm attaching to each of the roles that God has given to me. And I want to be known in that way. And I want to structure my week each week in 2020 to become better known in that way within that role. Okay, uh, so, so making resolutions with the end in mind. Paul does this. He describes what he wants these people to be. When Jesus comes back, I would challenge you to kind of do the same thing for yourself. What are some things that, that you desire to be true about you? Specifically at the end of this year even, And what are some steps that you can take to ensure that that happens? Number three, make resolutions that are driven by prayer and faith. For our kids, we should pray for God's help to do good this year. Make resolutions that are driven by prayer and faith. He describes these people as growing in their faith abundantly, increasing in their love for one another, He gives us this end goal picture of the types of people that he wants them to be when Jesus comes back. And then in verse 11, he says, To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. He's praying for these things to happen. Now, this ties in with what we've been talking about in John, right? That if we ask for things in accordance to God's will, he will give them to us. And so I, I want to challenge you, and this is where uh, we move from just making secular resolutions, which is something that, that everybody's kind of doing. It's not just believers um, that, are, that are making resolutions for the new year. Everybody does this. But it becomes a uniquely Christian thing when we begin to connect our resolutions with Scripture so that you ensure obedience to His Word is happening as you carry these things out, and you guard yourself and protect yourself when you are tempted to falter. Right? Because that's the big thing that people, so for, for those that, that aren't like me, that don't like this season of time, it's because you don't like making resolutions because you have failed in resolutions in the past too frequently right what, I'm, what I want to challenge you with is connecting your resolutions with obedience to scripture right that, that you are seeking to obey god 's commands, which is what we've been talking about in John chapter fifteen right that that we bear fruit, we be obedient to him, connecting your resolutions with scripture makes them works of faith because what we 're saying is, is that I want to love my Savior faithfully by abiding in Him and being obedient to His commands. And when I am tempted to to falter, right, I have Scripture to come back on and lean upon and trust in and, and, and Scripture to pray that would be accomplished in my life. Right? We talked, I think, uh, last week when we were talking about prayers that can be prayed, that, that we can pray confidently prayers of sanctification and trust God to answer those prayers. Because it's his desire. It's his desire to resolve every good work in our life. right? It's his desire to, to have us work out our salvation. It's his desire for us to press on and to take hold of our faith moving forward into the future. So we can, we can make resolutions that are driven by prayer and faith by connecting our resolutions with Scripture, allowing Scripture to drive the things that we seek to do in this coming year. Number four, make resolutions that reflect your calling. Make resolutions that reflect your calling. We are called to bear fruit as proof that we are his disciples. So when it talks about him uh, praying that God would make them worthy of his calling— it's not that, that, that we have to become worthy of our salvation. Instead, we are living in such a way that shows that we are truly called. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Right, This idea that we're to, we're to live in such a way that's consistent with God's kingdom. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you. That you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. That the way we live our life is to reflect the gospel and it shows ourselves to be truly part of the gospel when we do so. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Some of the same language that we've already seen from John chapter 15, right? That we have a responsibility to bear this fruit, every good work, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. Make resolutions that reflect your calling. Be intentional to bear much fruit this year. You know, we saw that in John chapter 15, that that we're called to bear much fruit, increasing fruit. And let me even kind of throw this in as a side note that, let me encourage you to consider saying no to something this year in order to create more time for good. Let me encourage you to say no to something this year. Um, I think I shared with, with you guys a couple weeks ago that, you know, I made the hard decision to step away from football moving forward, that... It's been something that, that I've loved doing. Um, it's something that I probably should have stepped away from last year and, and didn't. Um, but this year did nothing but affirm in me that this is the time to do it, that, that stepping away from football is something that um, is good for my job, good for my family, good for our church. Um, and so it's something that I'm excited about for this upcoming year to have um, more freed up time in my schedule for the good things that I believe God's calling me to do. Um, not just more time for me to, to, to spend on me, but um, more time for me to do good in the ways that I believe God's called me to. And so let me encourage you to, to spend some time reflecting on maybe something that you could say no to in this coming year in order to create more time and opportunity for good that's described here in, in this chapter. And then lastly, number five, make resolutions that are good and glorifying. For our kids, we should glorify Christ in all that we do this year. Make resolutions that are good and glorifying. We want to resolve to do good, not just for ourselves, but for others this year. Sometimes people get so caught up in their resolutions, and it's all about bettering themselves, and very little focused on the good of others around them. And so let me challenge you to to think through how you're going to use this upcoming year in a way that will serve those around you. We want to do good to those around us. We want to resolve to do good so that Christ is glorified in us, that ultimately the things that we do this upcoming year, the things that we resolve to do, should make much of him by how we do them, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you and him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And something that we did last year in, in talking about some of our resolutions was to try to connect uh, with some of the things that we've been learning, we have been learning specifically in the book of Hebrews as we were coming out of our study in Hebrews. And so I want to do the same thing in regards to what we've been studying in John. So I went back and looked at the sermons that we've had since our last application Sunday. I want to give you some, some, some things to, to look at resolving to do in this coming year that tie into what we've been learning in the Gospel of John, uh, specifically resolving to be untroubled this year. That in a, in a society, in a culture where anxiousness is very common, that you would make a decision this year where you commit to soothing your heart through Scripture. Remember, we talked about the fact that, that our anxiousness can dissipate, our, our troubles can uh, can be removed, by connecting the truth with Scripture to those troubles, that, that Scripture speaks to those things. And, and, and it's a command that Jesus gives for his disciples to not have troubled hearts. And then he goes on to talk about the truth of his word that is the solution to those troubles. And so I want to encourage you to, to resolve to be untroubled this year, to commit to soothing your heart through Scripture, to secondly to resolve to be prayerful this year, you know, we've been talking about the the assurance that believers have that their prayers will be answered. So being intentional to make requests according to his will this year. Resolving to be prayerful. Prayer is something that oftentimes we, we don't take the time to do because of our busy schedules. And so let me encourage you to to seek to incorporate that into your plans for this year. Number three, resolving to serve this year seeking to find the jobs that nobody wants to do and doing them. Remember we talked about Jesus at the, the Last Supper where he probably had every right to be served and yet he's the one doing the serving. Um, and he's identified a job that nobody else wants to do and that's the washing of, of the disciples' feet and he takes, takes opportunity to do that as he's uh, on, only hours away from dying on the cross. Um, we talked about us modeling that, because Jesus says, look, I've done this for you, now you go and do likewise, that we have a responsibility to serve those around us, to look for ways to, to serve, especially in ways that maybe are undesirable, that, that aren't going to receive a whole lot of credit, that nobody else wants to do, that we take advantage of those opportunities, and we, we seize those as believers, uh, and we serve those faithfully around us. And then lastly, resolving to love, prioritizing ways to love others in our church, whether that's through the provided structures that we have, the D groups, the C group gatherings, uh, the different opportunities that are available through our church to gather and to serve each other, but recognizing that for some, your schedule doesn't, doesn't work to do that. And so instead, finding ways outside of the structured times that we have to love people in our church, that either way we have to prioritize loving each other in this church, whether that's through the structured times or outside the provided structures. So those are four things that I think you can consider adapting into your plans for 2020 that that tie into what we've been looking at in the Gospel of John. Resolving to be untroubled, resolving to be prayerful, resolving to serve, and resolving to love this upcoming year. So from an application standpoint, planning to do good this year by making specific resolutions for this year committing to pray for the fruitfulness of those plans and then sharing your resolutions with others so they can pray with you. And so what we're going to do for D groups this year, this month is to, to have you kind of share uh, your goals and plans for this upcoming year. So when we gather here at the beginning of January, there's not going to be a passage that we're reading and studying and, and coming to talk about. Instead, we're going to kind of share the, the fruit of our reflection uh, of what we want 2020 to be, and, and what I'd love is to have you be able to share goals and resolutions and it be tied to Scripture, right? And so you take the time to, to say, okay, these are things that I want to, to see done in my life or areas that I want to focus in on in my life, that, that I want to be intentional to bear fruit in this area, right? Um, and that you tie that into Scripture so that it's very apparent, very obvious that, that what we're trying to do is to be obedient to Scripture, Um, so that it is a work of faith that that we can rely upon uh, throughout the year to come back to to see this is why I'm doing this, because it's in submission to God's Word. And then to be able to take that even into our family worship time this week and to talk about goals that you would like to see accomplished as a family in 2020 and then even some goals you can help your kids accomplish in 2020 as well. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to dismiss our kids and our youth to their discipleship classes. So if you've got kids or youth that are part of those classes, they can be dismissed to the back for their time. All right, all the kids are gone, right? And it's only 11.15. Because here's, here's, what, here's what typically happens is when, when we talk about resolutions, everybody in theory says, man, that's, that's what I want to do this year. I want to set aside time to think about my goals, to think about what I want to see God do in my life, in my family's life. Um, but then we leave and we go to lunch, and we've got plans for the afternoon, and we get busy, and, and before we know it, it's January 5th, and we start panicking, because it's like, do I even need to set goals now, because we're already five year, five days into the new year? Um, and so what I really wanted to do today was to set aside some intentional time for you to have, to just say, you know what, there's no distractions right now. The, the kids are taken care of, they're in their classes. Um, You were planning to leave at 12 anyways, and so you've still got 45 minutes until you were even thinking that we were going to dismiss. And so you've got intentional time right now to just pause and to reflect and to pray and to think and and to seriously consider what does it look like for you to be fruitful in 2020? Um, You may not get set-aside time like this between now and January 1. Um, And so I only encourage you to take advantage of that opportunity right now. I'm not going to distract you by putting you into groups to talk, I'm not going to distract you by continuing to talk up here. We're just going to have some quiet music playing if you've got some, Dave. That um, we could have as some background. Um, but I'm just going to give you some time to to pray and to reflect and to to think about what it looks like for you to be fruitful in 2020. To to set some goals. To to pray through some goals. Um, to look through Scripture. Uh, to connect those with Scripture. Um, but to at least have the next 30 minutes or so to say, you know what, um, I've got some time to think and to ponder and to reflect and to let God and the Holy Spirit move in my heart and, and direct me a little bit right now. So it might be a little bit awkward for you because, again, we're not going to have anything guided or directed beyond this until we come back and we'll sing one more song to close out. Um, but this is a chance for you to take advantage of this opportunity to, to pause and to reflect and to meditate a little bit.